This is the Personal Finance Show. I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. Lori Campbell is very passionate about improving financial literacy. When I saw her speak at the Financial Wellness and Retirement Readiness Conference in February of 2018, I was impressed by her devotion to helping people solve debt problems. Getting out of debt is hard and involves a lot of sacrifice. But for some people, it's even harder to not get into debt in the first place. There are people like myself who had mental health and addiction issues in the past, and that led to an overwhelming amount of debt. This is very hard to avoid, but as Lori and I discussed in the interview, you can get out sooner if you reach out for help early. The problem is that there's still so much stigma, shame, and embarrassment surrounding consumer debt, and people feel that they need to keep it to themselves and fix it on their own. What happens is that their consumer debt gets larger, and by the time people end up at Lori's office, they're in big trouble. But as Lori has found out in her 25 years at Credit Canada, it's never too late to make the changes to your life that are needed to get yourself out of debt and on the right track. I visited Lori at her office in Toronto to learn about her personal finance story and how she ended up as CEO of Credit Canada, a Canadian registered charity dedicated to helping Canadians overcome debt problems and improve their personal money management I skills. I parents that were very frugal with money, very oh, good okay. with money, which is yeah. excellent. My mother, more so than my father, only had a fear more than anything else. So sure. that, that, that is its own issues as well. Like fear of sca- my, like scarcity? Sca- like well, a- you know, she grew up with scarcity. Okay. So when, yeah. when she was raising us, four girls, uh, she passed that on or continued to try to live that lifestyle, mm-hmm. which she really didn't have to. Uh, my father was a college teacher and he taught accounting. Okay. Oh, so, wow. So, nice. you know, his background was very solid. He was very good with numbers. And I think that all of us picked that up. But the practicality of, of money really came from my mother to a certain degree. Hmm. Except for one, if you talk about an incident that kind of formed your attitude about money. I remember yeah. when, my, when I was young, I was probably like at 10, 12, I don't know how old. My mother had heard from her friend in Toronto at the time, because <laughs> we were from Sault Ste. Marie, okay. that pennies and copper were going to become scarce. Oh, Why, I don't know. She thought <laughs> copper was going to become scarce. But and this, what year would this have been? I, uh, I would have decade. to say it would have been the ni- early 70s, you okay. know, for some reason. And it wasn't just because they were going to be discontinued like they have been recently. Yeah, it wasn't it just, discontinuation. It was due to, some they won't be able to make them Mining anymore. or some okay, sh- shortage yeah. of copper for some crazy right. reason. Sudbury is going out of business. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There'll be no more copper in the world. And so my mother thought, well, you know what? This is a way to make a lot of money. Apparently, if copper is going to become scarce, then the, the, the value of the Penny was going to double or triple. Who knows, oh, wow. right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she went around to many banks in St. Marie, and there are not that many banks in St. Marie, <laughs> and bought up as many pennies as she could. Okay. So I recall my father lugging these pennies from the trunk of the car into the basement. Uh, and, you know, we're talking like handfuls and handfuls wow. and bankfuls okay. of pennies. And my mother had this dash in the basement 
of all these pennies. And it obviously didn't cost her that much. Cost uh, her a penny for each penny. A penny for each penny. Right. And yes. do, do you have any idea how many there were? Like, did oh, you guys ever thousands, count them? Thousands of pennies. Thousands of who pennies. Knew, who wow. knew dollar amount? I mean, it would have been hundreds of dollars, I'm assuming. <laughs> sure, so hundreds of dollars. she was going to cash in. Right? And then did anything as happen well at all? Know. Well, as we <laughs> I mean, all know, I don't the penny is still anything. worth a penny, not yeah, worth anything. Yeah, it's not now. worth anything. But um, uh, yeah, so copper didn't skyrocket. Copper didn't skyrocket. So I remember my father dragging those pennies up the stairs <laughs> and out the door. Dumping a them in years a machine uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. if, they, if they were, it even took They were those. already rolled, so it was perfect. You oh, know, they, they gave, rolled yeah. right up. But, you know, and, and that formed a memory of if something seems too good to be true, and yeah. Yeah, let's face it, <laughs> pennies were that easy of a hit to, to take value and double and triple, then it's not true. And I, I think that kind of a mentality, and I think it taught my mother a lesson as well, but that kind of mentality kind of stayed with me through life that you have to be a savvy investor, but you have to understand that you're not going to make money hand over fist yeah. just on a whim or hearsay. Yeah, you know, advertising kind of gets us, right? And, or exactly. just just everybody everybody just talks about their wins. Exactly. In word of mouth, we talk about, you know, oh, what's what stock is doing well today? And everyone runs out and buys it. And I think about my mother back then, hearing from a friend, copper's going to be worth a lot. Go out and buy a bunch of pennies. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out so well. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I, we were at a, there's a LinkedIn meetup, and uh, one of the speakers talked about how he heard, somebody told him silver. Silver right. was a thing, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something yeah. like that. And he just went on, a, he actually bought a bunch of bars of silver. <laughs> and they're just, they're still in his, uh, his yeah. parents' basement. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. You know, exactly. What are you going to do with that, right? Exactly. So you were, you were around how old when, uh, when this was well, all Well, I would happened. say I was probably around 12, 14 years old at the time. Nice. And, it, and so at that time, you know, I was just starting to earn my own money through babysitting, through yeah, yeah. newspapers. And, and I shortly, at right, very quickly after that, I got my first job at Tim Hortons. As, right, uh, Tim Hortons, nice. Yeah, I was a Tim Hortons girl. So you're you're one of the. I I talk about this every in every interview. Apparently, everybody worked retail except for me like, oh. or in terms of like fast right? food yes. or, or like some kind of customer service. And, mm-hmm. and and so, what was your experience like at Tim Hortons? Well, my experience at Tim Hortons is first of all because Sault Ste. Marie's a border town. Mm. A lot of people pay for their coffee with American money, sure. and I was at least smart enough to know to because they paid par, on par. They didn't, yeah. you know. So I transferred my Canadian money over to get the American nice. money. The, the owners didn't seem to There was to no mind. rules. In. There were no rules. And uh, so that was one little lesson in, in uh, money management there. And obviously, um, a paycheck goes very does not go very far when you have a lot of wants yeah. and uh, don't understand the difference between needs and wants. So I learned very <laughs> very quickly that uh, after you know a couple of pays that, gee, I don't really have anything to show for all that hard work mm. unless I actually put money away. Yeah, so, th- so then you did. So did then you come I up did. with some kind of plan or just whatever you had? I, what I did at, the, at that time, my mother was always very, you know, you've got to put at least 50% of your, your money into 50. the bank account. Yeah, and nice. 50% you can spend. Yeah. And that seemed reasonable. I, it's, not like I, it's not like today no, where you, you know, I had it. any other expenses. <laughs> After so, your rent is paid. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I didn't have to pay rent back then or a mortgage or anything yeah. like that. So it was very easy just to put 50% away. And, you know, it, it it was a good lesson. I've always been someone who puts money away, no matter how much I'm paid, so that I yeah. feel that I've got that cushion. And, and that's one thing my mother instilled in me, um, is that, you know, you've got to put away for a rainy day. And I'm not sure that that lesson's in our modern society anymore, because so many people think that their rainy day cushion is their credit card. Or that the rainy day will never happen, Exactly, right? that rainy and, day. Oh, yeah. And if it does, I'll be fine. Not realizing that, you know, this is a, a big button for me, right? Not mm-hmm. realizing that when you use the credit card to fix your problems, that you got more problems now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because maybe it's not going to fix all your problems. And now you also have an additional problem 
kind of mm -hmm. debt, right? Exactly. And I've been, you know, I've been through a proposal. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I had Doug Hoyes on, and I went oh, through, right. back yes. in two thousand and eight, I think. Right. And, uh, nine, I think eight or nine. I always get it mixed mm -hmm. up, but uh, I, you know, I went through a proposal uh, with Doug because I had a gambling addiction, right? Right. I mean, a pretty That's long a, gambling addiction. Yeah, we have. We see a lot of that here. Yeah, exactly. And Doug would say the same thing, and. Um, you know, it all comes down to the conference that we were at, you know, wellness, right? You know, financial wellness as well as, as mental health. It's all connected, right? And, so and, much uh, of it is connected. And, you know, yeah. a lot of, unfortunately, and I'm so glad that you're open about it because a lot of people aren't. And I think that wellness impacts so many different areas of our life. And mental health issues impact so many financial issues. And we see this over and over again here at Credit Canada where people, and you know, I, I don't look at my mother and I think she had a mental health issue when it came to, sure. to her, her mentality around scarcity. So and like, like a little bit of paranoia? Is severe that, that, paranoia. Yeah, sure. Even now she still has it. Yeah. And you know, this is something I think that because of her upbringing, it caused some really serious mental health issues. Mm. And perhaps issues of fear of scarcity because of what she saw. Just the stuff that's, it's not actually, there's no evidence of any of it. It's not real, right? right. It's just like the extreme saver issue, right? right. It's like, exactly. I, okay, you're doing good, but not, now you're not living your life. You're not living at your all. life. And you're denying yourself basic needs. And I'm not talking about wants, I'm talking mm. about some basic needs. I mean, Going there was without. some incident recently with my mother, and I'm like, Mom, you need to spend the money on this. Mm. And she was like, I just worry about running out. And it, it, it was a silly, it was like a $20 hit. <laughs> wow. But she really, she, that's, that's how it's become that she's, she's got this sort of unrealistic fear. Hmm. These extremes, they can be a little bit, uh, a bit harmful because the one, the, your mother is the saver one. And yes. the other side is the extreme uh, spender. Exactly. Who is never going to get sick and is never going to have a rainy day exactly. and never needs a fund. Always, exactly. always going to be and fine. There, there's, there's a certain, element of denial in that right so much that, you know you just i'm not i'm not going to even worry about tomorrow i'm not i'm going to deny that anything bad is going to happen i'm going to deny that life does take hits yeah you know or it's never going to happen to me it's i never mean going to happen i, I to see me. it i know it's happened to everybody else yeah. that i know exactly <laughs> it's, it's almost like everybody has to go through some sort of little thing to to wake them up right i would yes. never wish a, uh, an addiction on anyone no but it, it did give me some perspective and, and compassion, probably. Compassion, yeah. And, and it's funny how, how that sometimes seems fleeting too, right? You watch a television show and you think, oh, that person should just snap out of it. And then you think, wait a minute, I was in that. Yes. I, how can I even think or say something yeah. like that? It's because we're somehow trained to think that people can just get over these things unless yeah. we've been through them. And even then, we have short memories. We do have short memories. And I also think it's because TV also tells us that things get cleaned up and <laughs> put into a nice, neat package. Into in, 21 in minutes. Or, yeah, yeah, 21 minutes. <laughs> and, and, the tr and when it, you're right, I, th I think it's so... We hear about it with um, people that comment about our clients coming in to see us. Well, mm -hmm. you know, they got themselves into difficulty, so that's their fault. And it's so much more complicated and complex than that. Yeah. And there's so many layers. It could be an addiction issue. It could be a mental health problem. It could be a job loss. It could be some type of severe situation in their family. You don't know. There's so many stories underneath what you see in someone's life. I've been quoting something you said at the at the conference in February lately because I, I, I had it written down that the number one cause of bankruptcy is mismanagement. Mm -hmm. is that, did I get that exactly. right? Exactly. And that's frustrating to me because this is, mismanagement is, is avoidable. Right. What we're it talking is. about uh, with the wellness and you know mental health leading to addiction, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to uh, to money problems or vice versa, these are problems that we get into. Maybe we didn't see them coming. 
mismanagement is something that we can be a little bit proactive about. We can, and and if we can catch it at that level. But I think for a lot of people, mismanagement happens because of other things that are going so on. So because their life. of the other things, yeah. And and okay. often often people don't want to focus on finance. Mm. You know, we're we're yeah. told we're, we're really not taught no. to talk about money. Yeah, you're not. Don't talk about money. That's that's you know that's taboo. That's 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 not yeah. nice. Talk. You know, I remember when my son was very young. I was t- trying to teach him about money, and I was saying, "Look, you know, he's probably eight or nine, and he asked how much I made, and I said, well, 'I'm going to tell you how much I make, but I want you to go to the store with me and look at groceries, and we're talking about yeah, things okay. like that.' Of course, yeah. eight or nine, he's really too young to understand this. Sure. I swear to God, I had not even got it out of my mouth, and he was running across the street telling, just telling everyone, just asking his friend, my mom makes this much. How much does your mom make? And, <laughs> and I, you we know, don't do that. We, and that to me Why was like, not? oh my gosh, but we don't do that. And I think that we haven't been open enough about money and talking about it and and exploring um, how we can actually learn from each other. Yeah, if there was something, if we could just say like understand that this person makes this and that person makes that i mean it sure wouldn't have been much of a surprise no depending on whatever role you're in at, 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 at the Probably time not at all uh, but it's still something that is so it's so, so private, private and personal yeah so how did you learn about money like that like officially like when did did you what did you go to school for I went to school. My my education, my background is psychology and business. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it's a perfect Good mix combo when for you this. think about yeah, it, right? Exactly. It's a perfect mix. <laughs> you have to understand the psycho. And money is very psych. There's there is a psychology around money, mm-hmm. but you have to put your business mind. Um, and I think that I get that from my father uh, and be practical when it comes to your finances yeah. as well. So I think it was a perfect combination, especially coming in here when we understand that there is always an underlying cause to financial mismanagement. That's right. Always. If you started with the, the, the blame game or anything like that or just, you know, you, you made a mistake, um, yeah. that, this stuff is not helpful at all. No, and people people don't. They, they don't react to that, right? Yeah. So they, yeah, psychology is like it's more it's more important. This is the this is the business that you're in, right? Yeah. I it's mean, it's life. Yeah. Really, it's it's, of, it's the life of money. Yeah. And I hmm. think that if you can get down to that, that that it's 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 all about how fluid your relationship with money becomes. And there was a book called My 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 Money Myself, hmm. and I thought it was a fascinating book. It was written many many years ago by this lady who about her relationship with money and how. Your childhood upbringing impacts how you manage money. Your relationships with other people, your self-esteem, obviously addictions and, and mental health issues, mm-hmm. your environment, and everything else. And, and if you if you you can develop at any stage of life a better relationship with money, mm-hmm. and that's the good news that we try to instill with our clients is that maybe it was mismanagement, maybe it was really not having a full understanding of how to manage your money, but Anybody can de- improve their relationship with money. You can get out. Uh, that, that's the hardest thing to understand, right? You know, when I yeah. was forty thousand dollars in debt oh. and uh, making forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe even at that time it might have been less. And thinking, well, you know, I was, I would think I'm going to have to move in with my parents and <laughs> yes. live, you know, move back to Timmins and mm-hmm. live in the live in the basement or something. You know. Yes. I didn't really think there was a future for me, and. I don't know. I don't know what caused me to reach out to to Hoys Michaelos. You were probably around at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, but, uh, we were for sure. 50 you know, years. I don't know. I I I, uh, I think maybe it's just the luck of the draw sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I called. The, I I sent them a note or found the resources. I realized I needed to do this. I needed. I needed to do a proposal. There was no way I was going to get out of this. Right. Another thing from the the LinkedIn meetup last week. He was talking about credit card statement he carried around in his pocket right and it said something like 
in the fine print it says how long it's going to take you to pay off with mm -hmm. the minimum payment. Right. And like, I mean, why do they even put it at all? If I know, not and, they're, and they've got it in fine print at the very bottom of the last page. Yeah. And yes. it, it was um, 79 years or something yeah. oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, oh yeah, it's insane. And I, I kind of had that realization that I was paying, I had, uh, it was all credit cards, right? Mm -hmm. So all high. high oh, interest. high interest, you'd um, never get out of that. I think it was a thousand a month. Right. Min, like in minimums. Yeah. yeah, oh, and the minimum payments. Yeah, minimum payments. Yeah, and you know, and 800 is going towards interest. It's not pushing like it, it anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. not pushing the principal at all. And I was like, there's no way out of this. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'll try to make more money and, and I'll try to get another job, but that, exactly. that's going to take some time in the meantime. I'm drowning in you interest. You have to move forward, right? Yeah. And the only way you can move forward was, and, and that, that's the thing that um, we hear all the time is that people say that they, they've been sitting on their financial problem for many years. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you felt that way at that yeah, time as no, well. Absolutely. Sitting on and not getting anywhere. And by yeah. the time they've come to see us and, and, and we've been able to counsel them and move them forward, they at least can sleep at night. They feel like, you know, they can pay off the principal amount at the very least. Mm -hmm. In your case, do a consumer proposal where something's going back to the creditors, but they're moving forward. And There's so a plan. Many, it's with a plan. Yeah, yeah. And so many people wait, I think, too long to get help. Yeah. Wait way too long. Because of the stigma, right? The stigma. And also a bit of the denial yeah. that, you know, well, things will be better next month or maybe I'll win the lottery. Or, or, the, or this is know. how everybody lives. This is how everybody right? lives. So they yeah. don't feel like they because need to do talks. anything about it. Yeah. So if, you if, don't know. Yeah. If you were like, if you had to share your credit card bill on a monthly or yes. at least accountability with somebody, right? Yeah, exactly. So what was, what's your history with credit cards? Did you, well, you, you know, did they give you one question. right out of university too? Well, no, I had one. So I was in second or third year university and I remember it was one Christmas and I, I was broke. I got to say, I was yeah, okay. broke. You, wait, did you pay for school yourself? Or I how did it paid work? For, I had student loans. and my, yeah. I did get some help from my parents, yeah. but a lot of it was me. I didn't want to go back to my parents for anything else. Sure, sure. You know, and, yeah. I, and so I felt like I was really tight. And quite frankly, I didn't do well that one year with student loans. I mean, okay. I spent too much money too early on. And this then is you, how like, we learn our lessons, yuck. right? Yeah. yeah. So it was the one Christmas and I was really broke. And I thought, man, I have no money for Christmas presents <laughs> at all. And lo and behold, I walked through a big retail department store. There you and, go. And uh, they were offering credit cards. Ooh. And I thought, oh, man. 29% Oh, yeah. I would, probably. It's like ridiculous interest rate. Yeah. And at the time, it was only a $300 limit. But oh, that was wow. a lot of money to me because sure. I didn't have any. Well, enough for presents. Exactly, enough yeah. for presents. So yeah. I, I got that credit card, bought people presents, went home, had a great Christmas, and afterwards I realized like I owed $297 on <laughs> the bay. And to me, because my parents, don't forget my mother being oh, fear factor number sure. one, my dad being the responsible yep. businessman number Accountant. two, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I could never tell my parents they're going to freak. Wow. Uh, and it took me about six months to pay it off. Whoa. Uh, I got a really good job waitressing, which okay. was a total slam duck for me in the market in Ottawa. In terms I of I was, like tips and stuff? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because okay. uh, I, I went to school in Ottawa. And uh, nice. you know what? I never, ever viewed credit cards the same way again. So it you had that me. early that experience. That one little early thing scared me and it was very inconsequential for most people. But for me... It doesn't matter how much debt you're in, it's how you feel about that debt. Yeah. Right? And so you probably paid a little bit of interest. I paid some interest. I did. And $300. Yeah, and it was a large percentage yeah. interest. I mean, it's the highest percentage of any credit card out there, retail cards. So, um, yeah, I paid quite a bit of interest because I didn't pay it off right away. And back then, 10 bucks was a lot of money to me. I oh, had no sure. money. Yeah. And so if I'm paying 20 you know, bucks interest or whatever it is every month, that would have been a, like a small sum. That's a for, good point for me. that you made, though, um, about how it's how you feel about it. Because 
people are like, oh, just go into a little bit of debt. You know, yeah. what does it matter? Like, because I, I kind of, I'm mm. kind of debt adverse. Uh, yeah, now you are. Exactly. <laughs> Your whole mentality you know, has changed, even right? Even though I understand the value of mm-hmm. leveraging certain things and, of course, mortgages and stuff like that. Yeah. But I am, I, I have no desire to just jump right into something without, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a, if it's a mortgage and, and that's that's the decision that we made right. and it's the home that we want. Exactly. And fine. That, you know, that's, a, that's a debt that I will... That have to live happy. with, yeah. But if I, good debt you know, versus bad debt, yeah, if yes. we could have that conversation. And, and of course, it's only good debt if it, you don't buy more house than you, you can afford. afford and right? you know, you didn't buy a year ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, timing and it's everything. But yes. uh, only timing should only matter if you're. I can only afford this if the interest rates stay the same. I know, you, and, and you know, if, if, yeah. you, if there aren't any other expenses that come into your life, a lot of people think, oh, well, then we had children. That, that's an extra cost, or we didn't think about the fact that uh, you know that our my job fluctuates you know as far as income goes there's so many factors that you have to think about so much of it yeah yeah so i don't want debt at all so I totally so if understand. somebody's like oh yeah just put it you know here just put that 500 dollars on there and they're like on i'm like card, you know what yeah. no i'm not i'm not gonna buy anything unless i can afford it just because i have a huge credit card limit doesn't mean i'm ever gonna use it exactly it's there for my for my credit report yeah. and and for people to see yeah. hey, look people gave me credit yeah i'm, I'm, I'm credit i'll be worthy. able to get a mortgage exactly uh, what do you mean there was a gap no one knows about this that's, proposal yeah, anymore that's right it's actually uh it's just it's funny we um we did a uh try to buy a, uh, not buy a, yeah we put we did try to buy a house uh, mm-hmm. we didn't uh, uh succeed put an, offer, yeah. uh, put an offer in and uh of course we had to qualify for something before you know just so we would know right my wife's credit rating was was good and mine was good mm-hmm. except that when you look it was only uh like Less than a year after my proposal cleared from the credit right. uh, okay. report, so, it's so kind of a they had hole. this. Bad. They're like, "Hmm, there's nothing there." Yes. But what was there? Right. And so apparently, what another year or two would uh, give oh, them? Yeah, yeah, because because I mean, our credit rating is amazing now because yeah. uh, I don't have any debt and mm-hmm. oh, and exactly. uh, everything's cleared off and it, it's it's really nice to be able to start over and also rebuild while I was exactly. doing it. Unless you're doing that. It's not that important uh, unless no, you're exactly. doing the mortgage thing. Unless you're doing, that's what I people don't seem to understand. You know, a lot of people think they need five or six credit cards to build up their credit rating. You need one, mm. really, truly, you need yeah. one with some history. Sure. And history takes a couple of years. That's it. You know, so like you say, you know, it takes a couple of years from the, you know, you, you have this blank hole after that, before that. But other than that, it's only going to take you, you a few pay years. It off and, and then, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a good thing that you didn't buy a house because the market probably is going to improve even more for exactly. buyers. Exactly. And my wife got into medical school. Oh, so and perfect. that's when we moved to Hamilton. So yeah, you know, it's oh, a bit of a... the market's even better there. <laughs> <laughs> so it all kind of works. It all kind of works out. But yeah, so well, you paid that credit card so off. So I paid that credit card off, and, and now then, you're finishing university. I finished kind of, university. Working, you're hustling as a waitress. I hustled as a waitress all through university. So you, it helped pay for costs. And it, you know what? I tell you, that was one good gig. If mm, I could tell any, say anything sure. to young people, yeah. if you can get a job waiting, waiting tables while you're in school sure. at a trendy restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I worked in the market in Ottawa. It was yeah. trendy. I made great tips. It paid for my last two years of university by myself. I didn't get any money from anybody. I didn't have student loans oh. the last two years. I didn't borrow. I didn't ask my dad for That's money. Great. I mean, my father's like, you sure you didn't want anything? And I'm like, no, I don't. I really don't. Well, how many need nights it. a week did you work? I worked about three nights a week. Okay. Um, but I worked good eight hours. Yeah. And, you know, I worked the popular nights. Yeah. And got and the, the big holidays. St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it was the Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night I worked. And those were the big tip that that 
carried me through the rest of the week. My brother and I used to play uh, in a duo. Uh, played, we played Irish pubs or, oh, or pubs, yeah. right? So yeah. we, we uh, when we would go to Ottawa, right. we'd be on the weekends during when I was in university. Yes. And uh, we would play the Rose and Crown. Of course, and, yeah. And uh, Darcy McGee's. Oh. And then over in uh, Nepean, mm -hmm. uh, Grace O'Malley's. Oh, okay, Yeah, yes. which I don't know Perfect. if that's still there, but I'm sure the Rose and Crown and Darcy McGee's are still there. Probably. And yeah, so the, we would have to play three nights to make the Ottawa trip worth it, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I know how it can get, especially on holidays. Oh, exactly. In the market and uh, and on Spark Street, yes, too, absolutely. Yeah. But So you made it out, and, and, uh, and then what... It, so I worked, you got psychology and business. I got, what did you want to do? Well, I didn't know. Didn't I mean, know. like okay, everybody yeah. else, I yeah. didn't have any clue what I wanted to do. Sure. I worked. I mean, I went abroad for a bit, and then I came back, and I, I worked in Ottawa. I worked for uh, a charity called Friends of the Environment. It was called Friends of the Earth back then, and uh, enjoyed the charitable world. And then came to Toronto, did some work here with CIBC and the like, and then landed at Credit Canada. But I have to tell you, when I, because this agency's been around for 50 years, so that mm, was quite some time yeah. ago that I've been here. But I, I, I remember being interviewed for the job, and I thought, they're not going to like me because I actually have a credit card. Uh, you know, I didn't have, I didn't know anything on it. I was taboo. really good, but I thought maybe yeah. it's taboo to even work for an agency that's all about managing that's credit. Funny, eh? But I, I quickly learned it's not about not having credit. It's about managing it. It's about being responsible yeah. for it and actually having the credit card work for you rather than you work for the bank. That's right. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, if you're, oh, you can make money off of credit can, card companies exactly. if you use it correctly. Yeah. I have no annual fee. Yeah. Uh, if you can, if you don't, if you don't want points have no annual fee if you want points then you know but i got one with with uh cash back and no annual yeah fee. So, so perfect you know there, there there's, there's wonderful. so many options now yeah because if you know you're never going to pay it off i uh, sorry you're always going to pay it off <laughs> then put your groceries uh, then, on yeah that well then um you don't have to care about the interest rate you right? don't have to care you could the so interest rate could be 100 percent. take the high matter. interest rate for the no fee and cash back and now you're making yes, money exactly. you just have to be responsible with it right? exactly you can't it's like I know we. I'm sure we all break at some point, but it's like it's it it's hard habit. not to. You know right? what? It becomes habit as long as you learn. Like, you know, for me, I don't ever. I mean, I the way I use credit now is just an, an innate sort of thing. It becomes habit about how you use it. And I'm sure you're learning yep, that as well. Absolutely. That you know, you can have bad habits, you can have good habits, and just if you can get out of the bad habits, and habits are something that you just need to spend time getting away from. If you can get out of those bad habits and use the good habits, then use a credit card. You can use that credit card for almost every everyday purchase as long as you know you're going to pay it off at the end of the month yeah. or when the, the or on the due date or daily. <laughs> I paid mine every time I use it, but sometimes then I can you know collect points and stuff like that. Sometimes I make payments before the transaction yeah. goes through, and maybe it's a U.S. transaction and they just had an estimated rate, yeah. and then it doesn't match, and I'm like, I should have waited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because now I owe like a dollar seventy five or something. Right. The beauty of, of online, though, right? The beauty of online is you can pay anything at any time. And, it, and uh, especially if you bank with the same place as a credit card, it's it, it, it's just a money transfer for me. It's not even mm -hmm. a bill payment, so it's free. I can I could actually make a payment. They probably wouldn't like it very much, but I can make a payment for every single transaction yes, if I want. You, could. you absolutely could. And the accounting would be a nightmare, but credit cards are not bad. They're not bad. It, you know. You just have you to know, be careful. You have to be careful. Any type of credit. 
it's really not bad. I mean, there was a story today CBC had about this poor lady that her, this is a warning for everybody, that had a joint uh, line of credit with one of her, with, with her ex, with her was mm, husband at the time. Yeah. He like racked it up to $37,000. Oh. He told her it had been paid off. Oh. They divorced. She stuck with the bill because it was joint. The limit was only $15,000, but they kept increasing the limit because it's a line of credit. It's not like a credit card that's, where you have to apply. That's a pet peeve of mine. Yes, sure. exactly. So, I had a $19,000 CIBC visa. I was making 40000 a year. Yes, exactly. How so will insane. I ever need that? There should be, now, you know, we can talk uh, pie in the sky ideas here, but there should be a credit limit for based yeah. on your salary. Oh, I agree. There should based, be a credit. Yeah. yeah. You know, Percentage, right? Exactly. Just to safeguard us from ourselves. Right. Because we sometimes Just you think. Because if the bank, the problem is many people think if the bank is lending it to me, then I must be able to afford it. I know. And that is not true. It's Just like with a house. We talk about being house poor. Well, if the bank says I'm, I, that I qualify for a million bucks, I should be able to buy something for a million bucks. No. Who taught us these lessons? So the we didn't get the banks. The, the banks, banks have taught actually us. taught us. We haven't been taught in school. We've been bamboozled. We haven't been taught by our parents because parents don't like to talk about money. You know, you think about it. It's like so a, who's taught it's us? It's like if we learn how to buy a car from a car salesman. It's, it's like we're going <laughs> to, okay, this is what you do. And then you go in, just accept whatever they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Because they're going to uh, tell you because they the must know. Take the first price they're that the car you get. Salesman. They must know. It, it, but that's what happened. Exactly. With the banks. Why? We, uh, you know, I had in my mind for so long the banks are there to look out for me. And mm -hmm. then when I actually reached out to them for help, I realized so immediately yeah. that they were not interested. And it's not our fault. To, it's not our responsibility to control your spending. Right. They have no, they, they take no responsibility, which is unfortunate. I mean, when you, when you, when you hear about banks, uh, where, where, um, some of the reps are actually pushing products on people that they know they can't afford them, uh, just because every time they, they push a product, let's say a line of credit or whatever, they get points or in, in, improves their opportunity for a get bonus. To keep their job. To keep their job. Basically. And bonus. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a perverse incentive. It is. And, and it's just more clear today. Like it was always like this. In one way or another, they're there to make money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you buy bank stocks 20 years ago, you're laughing. Right. You can, we couldn't have told you that. And no, I, I wouldn't know. tell anybody to do it now. Exactly. Like, I mean, put all your money in bank stocks. I'm sure you could buy a little bit of banks. I own a little bit of the yeah, banks. Yeah, everyone does. It's yeah. like everybody, uh, everybody's a hypocrite, right? I'm a hypocrite because... You want I, your bank stocks to do well. <laughs> I want my bank stocks to do well because I know that they have this model that's terrible. Yes. And I, I'm really starting to feel like I'm investing in cigarette companies. Well, you know, that's you know, how it feels. I, I, I understand. Now. It is. It is a frustrating situation, yeah. and you know, yeah, it's it's like it, you don't know what to do because where are you going to get a good return? Yeah, with your money, uh, marijuana maybe now, yeah. but uh, but that's even questionable because that seems to be going all over the place. So you know, it's the blue chip stocks that you rely on, and bank stocks are blue. Blue chip stocks so you they can are. get some and, and reasonable return on. What we try to promote is is uh, you know safe investments. You know, there's nothing that's guaranteed, but there are uh, investments that are safer, right? And I would never say put everything into stocks by themselves, or or definitely mm -hmm. not in one stock or right. anything. But a little bit of diversity uh, is is not bad. And and uh, yeah, banks are the, a safe place. They are uh, a safe place because no matter how much Trump and uh, Fights with China. Yeah, chances are our bank stocks are not going to be hit nearly as much as some of the other stocks. That and we're people right seem now. to always need somewhere to put their money. And yes. even though there's many, many alternatives, mm -hmm. real I've, estate. I've realized, yeah, <laughs> real estate is really. If you can, you know, I think about real estate. Uh, if I had to do one thing over again, mm. and truly, Bo, if I had to do one yeah. thing over again, I think that you know, 20 years ago, I would have.
would have invested in more real estate. In I mean, right. condos were not nearly as sought out 20 years ago as they are today. You know, turn that into a rental income. That's really was a missed for me personally. I think a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. The rental income thing is a good point. I mean, when my wife and I discussed it, uh, we didn't want the hassle of a of an income property mm-hmm. uh, just because you know you get, you get the rest of your life. Right. But if you can if you can handle that kind of thing, I mean, you know, Sean Cooper, for example. Oh, exactly. Right? Sean's, been, Sean's been on the podcast, <laughs> and he's, you know, a, he's the king of it. <laughs> Sean, well, you know, yeah, buy the house and live in the yeah, basement. Yeah, exactly. It still lives in the basement. You know. We should all hope to have that kind of, of goal-setting ability and goal achievement, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, why is it such a shame for right. some people to live in the basement? You it's own not. the house. You if own you the want, house. If you want to feel proud of something, be proud of that. Exactly. You got the house. You don't need to and live I, in this big house. I think it speaks to another issue that really we don't see enough of today is sacrifice. Yeah. You have to, if you're going to get anywhere, sacrifice, we're not just talking about, you know, living in the basement. We're talking about not going out for dinner. We're talking about not ordering food in. We're talking about perhaps, you know, not buying the latest and greatest brand new whatever out there and having a junker car and all those things that people need to to do to sacrifice for a longer term gain, which would be perhaps being mortgage free or having some type of investment or even being able to own a home uh, and to put money aside for retirement and those other things. And I, I worry about people today. I don't think that the millennials, for example, understand that type of sacrifice to a certain degree because they some degree, and I blame myself even because I have two children who are 22 and 20, um, <laughs> there's the, the, the helicopter parents that are really putting little cushions taking around care them. And, taking care of them. Yes. So they don't get hurt. Exactly. You want to protect your kids, but, but you're right. They need to get so, banged up a bit. So somebody comes in here and they say, well, I'm not good with money. I'm sure you hear that all the time. It's <laughs> not true. It's something else, right? No one's mm-hmm. not good with money. It's something else. It's something causing, else is making them is think making they're not you good think with you're money. Not, yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, they got into trouble and they're like, and you say, well, you got to do this and this and that, and they're, they're thinking in their head, I don't want to change my life, though. I don't want to, I can't know. stop buying my things, or and, I can't not go out to dinner and learn yeah. how to cook myself. It's like they want one thing, but they, they're not going to They're not willing to change. make that sacrifice. And quite that, honestly, that, again, it's, it's habit. This is common. This is a common, very common. Uh, thing. Very common. But you know what they say, what, takes 21 days to break a habit? Sure. Okay, so you, you take 21 days of your life. Yeah. It's not that long. And see if you could make some changes within those 21 days. Maybe, okay, maybe no. Instead of going out for dinner three times a week, maybe it's only going out for dinner one time a week. You start. And then you see, okay, maybe once every two weeks. And see where you get. Because if you can change that habit and you get into these new pets, you know what? I'm really not a bad cook. Yeah, You know what? Taking public transit to work is actually kind of nice. I learned how to make my own Tim Hortons breakfast wraps. Perfect. I make them at home now. Yeah. Because it used to be the ritual to walking to work, I would just pick it up on the way. Exactly. And because I was working full-time nine to five, it wasn't a big deal. You no, know, yeah. But now perk. I'm working at home and I, I, I took a huge pay cut, to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to start working for myself. Well, now I have some more time. Yeah, there's, no excuse, right? there's no excuse, right? There's no excuse. And I'm not walking. I'm not going to go out in the morning and do Tim Hortons and come back home. That mm-hmm. seems like a bit of a, of a waste uh, to right. me, right? Just for something that maybe I don't even need. Exactly. But change is not something that people People like. hate change. We in, hate it so human much. Human beings inherently hate change. Yeah. We do. We hate it. We love Where habit. Does that come and then from? we're bored with habit, but we love habit. It's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's comfort. What it is, change we is comfort. comfort, what you know. And I always think of a book, a book, and I know this is off track, but it's called 
uh, it was about Ivan, Ivan Ivanikov, and it was a story about this, this in Siberia, this, this man had been sent to prison in Siberia mm. for 20 years for, I don't know, something he did, and he was the soup kitchen guy. And when his 20 years were done, he was an old man, and uh, he didn't want to leave. Mm. He actually ended up staying and living and working in Siberia wow. at the prison because it's what he knew. He adapted. He couldn't, he couldn't imagine making any change. Oh, and wow. so it's amazing what people will do and how they will get stuck in a rut mm-hmm. and in a very difficult situation financially, emotionally, physically because of not wanting to change. I think, oh, this is a necessity for me to embrace change. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I had to because uh, uh, insanity is doing the same thing. Over, over and over and over again, again expecting, same, expecting same, a, a different, different result. result, right? And here I was like gambling all the time and not investigating necessarily, I guess, deeply enough why. Mm-hmm. And nothing was changing. Exactly. And so uh, at a certain point, I was just like, I got to change, like whatever it is. Let's just go and start changing everything mm-hmm. and we'll try to figure out, you know, if you, change, if you change everything, then eventually you get to the thing like, Oh wow! That for me was attention deficit disorder. Right. I find I found that out. Right. So that, and then then you realize, oh, I can change that uh, with medication, uh-huh. and now everything can change. And it's amazing. Open the doors. Amazing how much better your life oh, has become. My God, it, it's, it, it's like night and day, isn't it? It, it is, and and then then now you know that change is okay. <laughs> change <laughs> because, is not bad. Change is not bad. Yes. And that we survive. I think if you don't go through anything early in life or even, you know, partly a part way through life, you don't know that you're going to be okay on the other side. Right. And then, and if you fail, that's okay because yes. that's lessons learned. Exactly. And you're right, the safety zone. Yeah. So we're coming back to this, this, this group of young people yeah. that have, have been somewhat sheltered. That. And, and, you know, um, I get a call from my daughter every now and again. She's at university and she'll be like, oh, I can't manage this. I can't manage it. I'm like, you can and you will. Mm. And you need to do it. You need to go through this because if you don't, then, then you're protecting yourself. You're being protected and you're not going to grow. It's uh, the fear, right? Uh, I had to face a lot of fears, mm-hmm. and yeah, that helped. Uh, you know, going away, going on a on a trip. I was uh, did a month in Peru. Oh. Facing, I had to face some fears there. Fears of falling off cliffs and, and in a bus, but that's another part of the story. But yeah, it's if you learn, you you just do it. Somebody says you just have to do that. Well, then you find whatever's inside of you to do it, mm-hmm. right? Now, mm-hmm. of course, if you're having any uh, uh, mental health issues, maybe you don't have that thing inside right. of you, and that's where, where you and break. But then you can go and try to figure out what that is. Right. And so at Credit Canada, what we try to do is we try to take a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. So if someone comes in to see us and, and they've identified that they have some mental health issues or there's some other, some other issues going on in their life, we try to give them the third-party intervention with other partners okay, that good. we have yeah. so that they can actually address those issues along with their financial issues because let's face it like you say you needed to address some like quite a significant medical issue i couldn't do anything without that no you couldn't do anything without that and then everything else kind of fell into place Mm -hmm. and i think that so many people need to to look at what the underlying causes of their financial issues are because there often are underlying causes it may on may on the surface appear to be mismanagement and why we call it mismanagement is because 
their income states that they should be managing okay and they shouldn't have found themselves in this type of financial situation. Mm. But the truth of the matter is there's something going on in their life that has resulted in them yeah. in, in getting themselves into this situation. Yeah. Do you find that some of your competitors, or I won't say competitors, but mm. other people in this, Industry. in the, the debt uh, management, debt consolidation, sort of debt uh, recovery business, are, are they just saying, you know, just hey, roll all your debt into this uh, line of credit at a lower rate and then see you later? Does that happen? Is is everyone kind of playing along here, or are there are there bad places people can go for this kind of advice? Well, you know, there are some for-profit places that are kind of scary yeah. uh, and that are promising the world that they're not delivering anything. So we know that. I mean, the every industry has that kind of thing mm. going on. Um, and one of the things that I think is the cornerstone to Credit Canada is we've been we've actually just celebrated our fifty-second year. That's crazy. It's I, crazy I didn't long, even have any right? Idea. So we've yeah. almost been we're around about as long as Tim Hortons kind of thing. Sure. So you know, we've been around for a long time. And the corner, I look back at the, the, the minutes from the first board of directors meetings wow. back in 19, course, in 1960s, you have to keep right? Them yeah. yeah. Wow. We just kept them out of nostalgia. Sure. And, uh, it was all about money management, about family budgeting, about, you know, understanding the full cost of living and those mm. types of things. It wasn't just, it, it wasn't pie in the sky stuff. It was very grassroots. Yeah. And we've continued to, to work that through our organization since way back then to understand that it, it's, it's about, budgeting. It's about counseling. It's about understanding what happens to families through marital breakup, uh, through job loss, through health issues, through issues of addiction, through issues with, you know, to help out their children, et cetera, et cetera. And what the implications of those are over time with their financial situation. So that has been our cornerstone. Other organizations may approach it differently. We know that the bank, for example, will say, yeah, roll everything into a line of credit and you, here's your credit cards back, but you don't owe anything on them. Go have fun. Oh, and so what happens? So they dangerous. end up with a line of credit and a bunch of credit card debt yeah. again. Yeah. yeah with, the, with the mortgage consolidation, I mean, it, it's a great thing to wipe out, out your credit card balance and, of course, roll it into something at mm-hmm. you know, 2 or 3 or 4% or whatever. But only if there's a plan. Yes, and exactly. that's that's what you guys don't are there for. Don't feel rich all of a sudden because people do. They think, oh man, I gee, I only have to pay this line of credit now on top of my mortgage, and I feel rich. And you know what? Let's go on a holiday. We got our credit cards. There's nothing on them. <laughs> and next thing you know, they come and see us. And, I'm and full I, of rage right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get so frustrated. And you know, the thing about it is, is we are going to be seeing a full generation of people that'll never pay off their mortgages because of this. Oh man. Just keep boring against the the equity in their home. Like, what what would be wrong if the bank said, "Okay, yeah, so you you want to have here go see Credit Canada." You know, yeah. like, do you have any relationship uh, with some banks? We do, we do. Some banks do send them to us, but they're not going to make money. No, they're, they're not, not making, making any, money any money because we ask the creditors to stop interest. I'm still being fooled in my head, yeah, even though I no, know the you truth. Know, you know the truth. I'm still <laughs> did these this innate know. knowledge that I yeah. learned when I was younger that banks are there for me. I know because they are. They're they're. They're the cornerstone of our oh. industry, like of the business world, really. But the truth of the matter is, banks don't make money off of our clients because no. they donate to our agency, and we actually ask the creditors to stop interest. Yeah. So that you know, if you talk That's about our, we talked about my your proposal, debt, yeah, yeah the thousand uh, dollars that you were paying towards your creditors, eight hundred dollars of interest. Can you imagine that eight hundred dollars was gone? Now you, you uh, maybe you can clarify this. I, I was told at the time that CIBC because they were part of my proposal. Like the big one, they have. They were the nine. Right, yes. They were. The, they probably it was fifteen thousand out of the forty. Even though it's cre- uh, cleared from my credit, 
they probably still have a, a black note on my file. Well, the creditors can carry your information as long as they want. Yeah, so right? like yes. I'll probably never be able to get any credit from them. Well, th not necessarily. I mean, we've certainly seen it happen over and over yeah. again. The longer you distance yourself from from that time period, sure. you know, that and, was you then, know, that was then. This is good. now, and yeah. you know, I always call certain customers as the last frontier, and they sure. want to get the last frontier. Yeah. You may have been a risk at some point, but they'll see you not necessarily as a risk as time goes on. So they, they do have the belief that people can change. They do have the belief that people can change. I mean, we have to think about, the way I like to think about the banks is that they, they could, if we're smart about it, we can get their products for very little. Um, it allows us to have, to have growth, financial growth in our lives. But we have to understand they're, they're in business to look out for themselves. Mm. Because they have shareholders. Yeah. And their shareholders are put a lot of pressure on them. I'm one of them. <laughs> You're one of them. You want better returns. Yeah. So so we it's a double edged sword. Yeah. So it really is. It, unfortunately it's every man for himself. So when you think about it. We need to educate people. That's why I believe the cornerstone of this organization, Credit Canada, yeah. is education. Because if you think we're going to change the banks, we're not. It doesn't matter if you're a shareholder or not. Okay, well, you're not, you're not bringing down the bank. You're not bringing no, down the no. customers by no, exactly. being a shareholder. But we need to educate consumers because the banks are not going to change. They have a business model for a reason. But I do have the right to vote. You have a right to vote I get, they, as a they, shareholder. Yeah, so they send me the things, and, and they the things that they recommend, I usually vote against those Good. things. Because it, it, it's On things, record, anyway. <laughs> like, well, on record. And my vote, I don't know, maybe if a lot of people did it, but there's there's uh, minority shareholders that can propose right. certain things like uh, lower salaries for executives. Oh, exactly. Or disclosure or of, of certain things mm -hmm. or, or more social... Uh, endeavors More social responsibility, and yeah. and those are those make it to the docket uh, and then I see them and I'm like uh, yeah uh, let's do right. that and and the board recommends against it of, of course, course. <laughs> of course they do right? I mean and, and you know it's 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 interesting that um, to the CEOs do make as much as they do considering the public outcry because there has been a lot and the media attention that it's gotten yeah now you're a CEO mm -hmm. right this is a not-for-profit we're I, charity right? you're, yes. you're actually a registered charity not just charity. NFP so yes. that's always been that way for the 50 yeah for 52 years 52 years uh, we have been a charity and so no I don't make as much as the CEO <laughs> <laughs> but people can uh, so what I remember about the last charity I looked up uh, was City Kids in Hamilton uh -huh. because we did a, a podcast in December around the gift giving sort right, of yes. time you know you can look up any charity's yes. uh, books and the salary section has how many people fit into certain categories yes, exactly, exactly. so likely uh, you know depending on how many uh, executives you guys have mm -hmm. you can probably figure out the range of your salary exactly. by looking it up on a list it's probably in, in a certain range right yep. and so there's Virtually full disclosure um, of everything uh, exactly. that goes on here. Exactly, just like the sunshine here. list. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, you, you can know? see those yes. explicitly exactly. uh, with the names, even right. Mm -hmm. Running as a charity, so like, are you investing? What do you invest? Any additional? You get you get donations. So, so we get donations. Some of the banks donate. You said or no? We, yeah, the banks yeah. are major major do donors. donors yeah. So that's yeah. a good thing. And what we we do is that. Um, we, you know, we, if we have a small surplus, it'll go into reserve and that reserve will be used to invest back into the organization. Yeah. You know, if keep we have, it going. keep it yeah. going. Exactly. Um, and, and, and our, our biggest investment, in my opinion, is education. I mean, mm. we do a lot of work with a number of organizations across 
the city and across the country on uh, issues on, along with financial literacy. So we run Credit Education Week, which has been a really big event held every November. November. Okay, so during Financial Literacy Month. During Financial yeah. Literacy Month. Was just, it always Financial Literacy Month? Or no, did you start it that? wasn't. We started it. I swear started? to God we did. Did you? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I like I'll, let me just say that. I'll we, give you I can't the say we, I can't say we started <laughs> it, but I will say that um, Credit Education Week, we're in our 12th year. Yeah. And for the first three or four years, we were running along quite well with our Credit Education Week. It was a national event. And then we worked with a group called the Financial Literacy Action Group. And through the Financial Literacy Action Group, we started Financial Literacy Month. Amazing. And then the Financial Consumer Agency. Is the FCAC part of that too? Yeah. Well, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada came and said, we'll make this an event, a national event and a government-recognized event. So that's what happened. And so Credit Education Week still falls within Financial Literacy Month. And I will tell you, it's one of the biggest events across the country during Financial Literacy Month. Excellent. I just had Jane Rooney on the 20th episode. Oh, great. Yes. So she's fantastic. Yes, and absolutely. And the nicest person. Lots she, of great work they're doing. Yeah, like uh, it, it was uh, leading up to the conference that I, I saw you at. And, right. And they said, oh, uh, yeah, we don't have anyone uh, from the FCAC that can speak at the conference, but uh, we'll give you a half an hour with Jane Rooney on the oh, phone. And I'm great. like, so I learned about the, the, that we have a financial literacy leader in Canada yes. mm-hmm. and that she has this amazing mandate and exactly. there, you know, there was a uh, there was a board. Were you on a board? I was on the financial literacy task force. You were force, on the task force, and I was yeah. also on the steering committee. So That's the financial awesome. literacy task force. One of our recommendations was to have a financial literacy leader. So That's great. What makes me very pleased is the fact that um, a lot of our recommendations were taken quite seriously and have been put into place. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like she spent a whole year. Or and maybe you that was zero in 2013 or whatever, just going around the country yes. and uh, oh, yeah. and then you guys would just sort of collaborate on uh, as the task force. We as the task force before she was even appointed, the okay, task yeah, force okay. actually spent a, spent a good two years going before around the country, that, yeah. uh, getting uh, input from many, all corners of Canada developing a number of recommendations, and there were quite a few. And then the FCAC took those recommendations. Well, the government took those recommendations. It fell under the FCAC. FCAC. Jane Rooney was appointed. And then Jane Rooney had a a, a financial steering committee, which I was on as well. Okay, great. And through that, we um, developed some actionable plans. That's awesome. And it's all... You know, there, there's a, a couple of things that I try to talk about all the time. One, mm-hmm. one is the democratization of personal finance. And the second one is financial literacy, just right. on, a, on an overall basis. Yeah. But, you know, financial literacy for, for kids, uh, you know, financial literacy uh, for, for everybody, exactly. right? And, but for it, even old people. For, I mean, like, yeah. you know, when I say even old people, because I, I hate to say it, our growing uh, segment of our clientele is elderly individuals. Well, I'm hearing something about financial empowerment uh, as a separate sort of thing. Um, where there's a group of people or organization, I believe, who tries to help the elderly population take advantage of all of the services that are available exactly. to them, and so they because they might not know they and, and you know what you no got one's credit tell them. or something. No one's going to tell like them. It's like the guaranteed income supplement. Yeah, no one's not telling you. And about you have that to apply for GIS or yes, yeah. exactly. So there's you know when we see so many elderly people in here that have left their jobs or have been forced out of work mm-hmm. and they can't find they can't manage on the pension that they have okay. and they can't get back into the workforce and it's it's really quite scary. And you and, and would you sit down with them and say? 
hey, GIS is there and you yeah, can, absolutely. You can we'll get look that. At all, we'll look at all of their uh, current benefits and see what they're yeah. getting and what they're not getting and see whether they could they qualify for anything. So we definitely do that. Um, we definitely try to see what other resources are out there in the community because there's a lot of great community organizations working with seniors. We worry about things like payday lending and those those types of situations where people are senior and because they have their CPP, suddenly they qualify for a payday loan. And the CPP uh, check? Quali- yes, absolutely. Oh, no, and no. I will tell you from the, the stories we hear here no. uh, that it's, it's a disaster. That sounds like a disaster to yes. me. Yeah. That there's no there's no way that's ever going to change. No. If you're going to get a payday loan based on your your uh, you know, equally distributed check, right? Exactly. How do you ever get out How, of that? What's going to change? Nothing. Nothing. You'll never get out of it. Once you get it. So we've, we've seen stories where wow. seniors have lost, even lost their rent, rent their, their apartment because of, of getting into the payday And I'm sure cycle. these are some of the rules or the things that you guys would have talked about. Let's put some actual laws in place. Well, we've been very aggressive yeah. with the provincial government about what uh, we believe payday loans should be able to and not able to do. Mm-hmm. But it's, you're fighting a giant here. Payday lending in Ontario is huge. I, some of the rules have been tightened slightly, but there's a lot more work that needs to be done. I think, are they bringing down the, the cost per $100 over Well, it's, over it's for every $100, it's $21. And is that so going down to it, 18 it's supposed to. There's no, nothing's been, Not been fun, passed. Nothing's been passed. I see. Okay. You know, there's still a lot of talk. And yeah. uh, um, right now, I think that because we're coming into an election, it'll, we'll mm. have to see what happens after that. Oh, yeah. Ontario. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> we could have a whole other podcast yes, sure about that. <laughs> but, uh, okay, well, I'm really glad that I came here. And uh, I wanted you to come on the podcast because and I, I, have an, I've, I wrote down a note while you were uh, speaking at the conference in February that, you know, it says like really passionate about debt. Right? I am. I'm very passionate about debt. I mean, I am because I, yeah. I really truly believe individuals do themselves a huge dis- disservice by saying they're bad with money, by mm-hmm. saying they don't understand how to manage money, True. that they don't understand finance, they don't understand investing, they don't understand how debt works. And I believe each and every one of us has it within ourselves to be their own money managers and be successful financially. Whether they're making a very minimal income or a, a large income. Because believe it or not, Bo, we see people that are doctors and lawyers yes. in here. Yeah, and you... we see people on social assistance. And I can tell you, some of the people on social assistance are better at budgeting and better at managing the money than the doctors and lawyers. So I know it has nothing to do with income level. It has mm-hmm. something to do with how you perceive money and how you allow yourself to manage it. Isn't that funny? Everybody probably thinks, if I only made a little bit more. That's what everybody thinks. That is the number one. Oh. You ask them, what is their biggest financial problem they'll say it's not making enough whatever's causing you the basic concept of spending more than you make you'll just more you'll just spend more if you make you're more. just going to keep doing it exactly. there's a reason why and so let's tackle the reason with your associated uh, you know with your partners yep yeah get off the treadmill yeah whatever that treadmill is for you yeah step back reevaluate and then make decisions the psychology it's it really is about that isn't it this is like always it's hardly about money when you think about it Money just happens to be the thing yes. that we all need to have to, yes. to exchange for goods, but it's really... And I've, you know, let's face it, there are terribly sad stories about, out there that we hear people can't make their rent payment and, and they, they really have fallen to some very hard times. I'm not talking about them. And sometimes mm-hmm. people are somewhat offended by me saying it's not just the money, but the truth of the matter is 
I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by thinking it is just somebody. That's right, because you, you're not. You're just blaming something else. Then you've you're taking the control away from yourself. There's nothing you can do now. Exactly. Right? There's it's no out of your hands. You I'll can't never, control anybody. I, I've had the thoughts. I'm never going to get out of this. Yes. Because the money has to fix itself. I, yeah, that's, that's a thought. very dangerous thought. And so what I'm what my what I'm saying is take back the control yourself. Yeah. And by doing so, you can make the changes necessary. And it's not going to be overnight, and and don't expect it to be. No, but the, a lot of people want it yeah. to be overnight. We've oh. been told we've been told this in our fast moving society that everyone has everything has to happen now or yesterday. Just think about it if you really want your life to change. CreditCanada.com. Credit I'm looking Canada. at the posters, the, yes. the great posters, the stuff <laughs> that I've seen in the in the subway ads or even probably billboards at one point or another, mm-hmm. right? So CreditCanada.com. Now, and anybody can just how do they, they just go they, there? They can call you. They can come in. They go online. They can call us. They can come in, and our counseling's all free. Yeah. And we will do a budget, help you, uh, help you uh, look at financial goals, help you deal with debt. All by our certified counselors. You don't have to be in dire straits. You don't have to be in dire Please, straits. Please, like, like, just in fact, come, it's better if you're not. Yeah, be, then you're coming. Come in curious. It's too late. Just think, think. Maybe I'm one day I might have trouble with money, yes. and then get. get or am some I on the right track? Education. I think I'm doing everything That's right, right, but I'm not sure. Yeah, because yeah, there, there there are stories about people who just you know like oh dump everything in RSPs and then you can bo- take it out to pay for your house yeah, right exactly and then oh what what do you mean i can only take out 25000 you going to yeah and what and do you mean all i, I got to pay it all back and now and now i have to pay that back <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's like if you're confused about anything don't just hold it in mm-hmm. and say well i can't ask cuz i'm going to look stupid yeah you know some people just even want to know whether their budget makes sense compared to other people's that's budgets that's right because you really don't know. So you're you're open to any of that. Absolutely. You don't have to have a certain amount of money or not money or debt. Doesn't matter your income. It doesn't matter your debt. Everybody's um, welcome. Everybody's welcome. Uh, yeah, and and that that holds true for for uh, other organizations as like yours in the in the charities. province yeah. and charities and any anything like that. And uh, you know, just look at a look at a bunch of different options. If you're mm-hmm. if somebody says debt consolidation and uh, money up front, don't yeah, definitely don't run. go there. Run as run, fast as you can, or anything that that involves you. Anything that you feel pressured, or if they want to yeah. help you make a decision or come to a solution very quickly uh, right. in the conversation. Anything where they're asking for money up front. Anything where they're making outlandish promises, such as they're going to repair your credit. Yeah, you that. should always run from those. Those are not those are not helpful organizations. If it sounds too good to be true, it's not. True. Okay. As simple as that. Yeah, it is that simple. If you are involved with somebody like that, come to Credit Canada come to for Credit a second Canada opinion. Because we've often give second opinions that's right. uh, in these situations. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for having me here, Lori, and uh, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again or, or uh, work together or see each other at a conference or something. That'd be great. And thank you so much for coming in. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot to me, and it only takes a few seconds. For the show notes and any links from the episode, head over to my website, investwisely.ca. And while you're there, please feel free to send me a message on my contact page. Thanks so much for listening to The Personal Finance Show. I'll be back next week with Raj Lala, President and CEO of Evolve ETFs.